Hey Church, I'm sure like me, you love to receive gifts. It's great, isn't it? I had some gifts just a couple of weeks ago for my kids for Father's Day. And uh, it was two bottles of wine and chocolate and more chocolate and more chocolate. Yeah, yeah, right. That's exactly what I wanted. But it's also great to give people uh, gifts as well, isn't it? It's great to see them open the box and their face light up because you've got them exactly what they wanted. And I'm going to give away uh, a couple of things today. I've got uh, a couple of books that I've read recently on the Holy Spirit as I was preparing for uh, this series. One of them is called Forgotten God by a guy called uh, Francis Chan. And one's called Open to the Spirit by a guy called Scott McKnight. They're great books. And uh, if you would like a chance of winning one of those books this week, what I'd like you to do is go to the comments section, go to the chat section, and I'd love for you to put in there what your favorite gift that you've ever had. Maybe not the most expensive gift you've ever had, but the one that was most memorable to you. Put that in and you'll have a chance of winning one of these books. Now me, my most memorable gift probably I got when I was in my early teens. As you know, my dad was a fisherman and he used to be away for a substantial amount of times fishing. Sometimes they were uh, looking for mackerel down in the west, co uh, west coast, southwest coast of England. And other times they were at Isle of Man and different places. And sometimes they had to stay away for a period of time. And uh, so we wouldn't see them. So when they were away, I don't know if they felt guilty or what it was, but uh, they would very often bring uh, a present back for the kids. And that's what my dad did this one time when he came back for the weekend. And me and my brother got this box and uh, we opened the box. And in the box was a strange looking flat oblong black box. It had two little wheels on either end and this wire that went out the other side. And we discovered that this wire that went out the other side of it went into the back of the TV and uh, into where the aerial was. And uh, when you switched this box on, suddenly you had a video game. Now, it's not like the video game that all you guys have nowadays. It was very, very simple. It was probably one of the first video games that you could have in your house. And, uh, and what, you could play tennis. And so tennis was a ball that moved around the screen and bounced around. And then you had two little sticks that went up and down and the little uh, wheels either side used to work those sticks and that was tennis. And if you got past the other stick, that meant that you had a point. And then you could play FIFA. Well, it wasn't FIFA, but it was football by an, another name. And in football, you got one stick was your defender and one stick was your attacker but they couldn't move independently. They had to go together as you wheel this wheel round. Uh, but for us at that time, it was the most amazing thing we'd ever seen. And so did all our pals. And our house became so popular over the next few weeks as all our mates came around to have a go at this new video game. And today I want to talk to you about gifts. Not a gift as somebody would give us for Father's Day, but I want to talk to you about the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us gifts. And you know, we find the clearest and most in-depth teaching on the gifts of the Spirit in a book called Corinthians. Paul wrote a letter to a group of people who lived in a place called Corinth. He wrote two letters actually. And uh, you know, that church gives me a bit of hope or that, because you know, Paul was writing to it, but that church was a basket case. 
It was totally and utterly dysfunctional. So sometimes when I think about the problems in our own church, it gives me a smile to my face because maybe they're not quite as bad as what he had. It was filled with leadership factions, people following different leaders. Class wars were rampant. Worship wars, how they did worship was, was a problem. Uh, pride was huge. Uh, status and the inability to deal with sin in their midst. Um, it was The list just goes on and on. I'd encourage you to go and have a look for yourself. But if you've got your app or your Bible with you today, go to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to talk through some of the scripture there and we'll make comment and keep moving along. So follow along with me. When you've got time later on, maybe look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13 and also 14. It'll give you a good picture of the whole thing of gifts of the Spirit. And it starts off by saying in the first chapter, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, now the first thing you need to know is the word gifts there actually doesn't appear in the original Greek. We've added it in because it makes context with the rest of the chapter speaking about gifts. But the actual literal way of saying that would be now about the supernatural or about now about the spiritual. You see, Gifts, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are not something that's inside us, that is, belongs to us, or we can do them by our ability. It's not my ability that it's talking about. It's sometimes people say they've got the gift to play football. It's not a natural ability that I've got. It's not learned. It's breathed by God. The word there for spiritual or supernatural is pneumaticus. And pneuma is, means air. You know, we, you get in the pneumatic drill. It means breathed by God. So these gifts are breathed by God, the supernatural. And you know, it's so important because the church there was having such problems with status and importance. Um, some of the people said, we follow Paul. Great person to follow, yes. Other people said, no, we, we follow Apollos. We, we quite like him. And uh, other people who were really super spiritual, they said, we follow Jesus. They, they were probably the most proud of, of all. And uh, not only was there leadership factions, but there was also the fact that the in crowd, the, 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 the important people, got the best seats around the table. And, uh, and, and so they were right up front. And uh, the poor were left to go hungry at the common meal. That's the other thing they talked about, the fact that people came for this meal, this shared meal where they did communion and remembered Jesus. But some people were eating all the food and other people who had no food were left to starve. And Paul immediately elevates the whole thing about gifts to God's breath and not human hot air. You know what I mean? Sometimes we say an awful lot of stuff because we're so full of our own importance. But... The gifts of the Spirit is about the breath of God, not what comes out of my mouth. He goes on to say, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. You know, I love it that he uses that analogy again, because more than any other analogy for the church, for this group of believers that we say we're part of, the biggest one that's used in Scripture is brothers and sisters. And that relationship is how we should see each other. We're brothers and sisters, nobody more important than each other, siblings. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be 
uninformed. The word there he uses for uninformed means ignorant. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's an interesting word that he uses there. It's quite harsh. And, and also he's saying it to a church that practiced the gifts of the Spirit loads of times. And they were an active in the church. And it was so it wasn't that they didn't know anything about them completely. They were active and used them. But the way that were, they were using them, he was saying, was ignorant. And uh, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or others, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Nice turn of phrase there as well. They're ignorant and they're listening to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is becursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, now listen to this. There's two words that's going to keep on coming up here. Different and the same. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Different and same. And, and Paul is like a dog with a bone. He, he is driving his, home, his point home. There may be lots of different gifts, but by the same God. No matter the variety, the gift, they all arrange, uh, originate in the same place. God at work. Now, the w word that is used in the Bible for gifts is a Greek word, and you'll have heard it before. It, it, it's either charisma or charismata, and it means gracious gift. The gifts are a gracious, free gift that we don't get because we deserve something. Now, last week, uh, Joshua was get, talked a message about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, what was inside us came out. And the Holy Spirit was at work in us, creating the character of Christ in us. And so out from us became the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but the fruit... Fruit takes a long time to grow, doesn't it? It's not instantaneous. It takes a long time. And for us to become more like Christ, and we are changed and sanctified to be, become more like Christ, then that takes time with the Holy Spirit working inside us to create love and joy and peace and patience. And that takes a lifetime. Uh, one of the guys I listen to sometimes, he calls it Christiformity, forming Christ within us. And so if you haven't heard that message last week, go back and listen. It's great. Josh brought that. But these gifts, these power gifts, um, are grace given, gifts given by the grace of God. They're not given because we deserve them. They're given by God through his complete free favor. And we, although we can... That we don't learn them, we don't, we, we don't have to develop them. Well, in a sense, we don't have to develop them. We can always make sure we can understand the voice of God better when we're listening. But there are gifts that are given to us that are complete and already formed, ready for us to give away to somebody else. They're given freely, not because we deserve them. You know, the gifts are not a sign 
of a person's spirituality, but a sign of God's grace. Let me, let me repeat that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not a sign that somebody is wonderful and spiritual, but they're a sign of God's grace. And, and that's so important to understand that completely because that's where the people in Corinth went wrong. They thought the people who um, functioned in these gifts or had these gifts, they were somehow superhuman or super special. But it's not about our specialness. It's about God and his grace that he gives it to us. And, and the same wording is used when uh, talking about, when Paul was talking to the Romans about our salvation. Uh, Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We don't do anything to deserve our salvation, and we don't do anything to deserve to receive a gift from God to give away to somebody else. It's It's he decides and he distributes. Verse 7, back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation or the revelation of the Spirit is given for the what? The common good. It's not given. The Holy Spirit doesn't give me a gift for my good. It's for the common good for the people around about us in the church. It's so that we can give it to somebody else, not hoard it for, for ourselves, to be beneficial for others, not to keep to ourselves. Now, I'm going to then go on to verse 8 now. And I'm going to talk about, there's a whole list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit there. Two things I want to say about that. One, I don't believe it's an exhaustive list. You can find some in Romans and also in Ephesians as well. Um, So the Holy Spirit gifts are wider than the ones that are just listed here, I believe. And also, you see, when Jesus came to this earth, he laid aside his majesty and lived his life as one of us, fully God, but laying it aside, and fully man. And so when he lived this life, he lived it through the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was involved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to mention one or two as we read through some of these gifts. Verse 8, To one there is given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. Now, Jesus acted in that so many times. I mean, the Pharisees were coming up with all these questions to try and trap them and squeeze them into a place. And, but he would answer them in a way, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that would confound them. God gave, through the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, the answers he needed, the wisdom he needed to answer these questions. And you know, when we're faced with like a situation like that, where we're not really sure what we need to do, we can ask God for a gift of wisdom to be able to answer in certain situations. To another, a message of knowledge. Now, that is the Holy Spirit revealing to us or revealing to Jesus something we couldn't have known otherwise. And you'll remember there's a story about the woman, Jesus met a woman at the well and uh, how towards the end of that conversation, he talked to her uh, about going to speak to uh, our husband. And she said, I've got no husband. And he said, yeah, you speak the truth. You've had five husbands, but the one you live with now is not 
your husband either. And the Holy Spirit revealed something to Jesus that he couldn't have known in that way. You know, a number of years ago, um, I was speaking in the church here, and I, I gave a, what I believed was a, a word of knowledge to somebody in the congregation. I didn't know who it was. And I shared that from the platform, and I described in great detail what this person was going through. And uh, never had a service finished, never had anything, and, uh, and so left it like that. And I'm thinking, oh, Billy, that wasn't the voice of God you heard. That was just your own mind. And uh, two, three years later, uh, I went to this party I was invited to uh, with people that I know that went to another church. And uh, during that time, this lady came to me and said, uh, um, Billy, I just want, you don't know me, but I just want to talk to you. Um, I was in Milton Keynes Christian Centre and she gave me the story and, and how everything I had said at that time in that place was about her situation and about her life. And it changed our whole life around. She was uh, got things sorted out. She was attending another church. And uh, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know the lady. Um, I still don't know her name, actually. But what I do know is if we're open for God to use us, not because we're special. If we're open and ready to listen for God to use us, he will give us gifts that will help somebody else. So he, to another he gave a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, verse 9, to another, faith by the same spirit. I mean, the point in turn where Jesus needed the most faith was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, okay, God, not my will, but yours. An incredible situation. God can give us a faith and a peace that not, can take nothing away. He can give that into a, our lives. To another he gave gifts of healing. Well, just go and read any of the, the gospel, you'll find loads and loads of healings that Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, to another miraculous powers. Again, he turned water into wine. He walked on water. Uh, to another prophecy. Well, I can think of two immediately. Uh, he, prophesied, he prophesied about the fall of Jerusalem in Matthew 24, that there was going to be problems there. But he also spoke to his disciple and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the crop crows. And he prophesied that something was going to happen and it came into pass. To another, distinguishing of spirits. You know, there's at least three types of spirits in this world. There's the hellish, there's a heavenly, and there's a human. And you know, when Jesus was walking in this world, he could discern what spirit was an action. Was it just something of this world or was it something hellish and he needed to deal with it? To another, in different kinds of tongues, the ability to speak in different types of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now, I don't know a place where Jesus was involved in that. He prayed in the spirit, but I don't, I, I, there's nowhere in scripture where it talks about him speaking in tongues, but certainly in the church, in the, in the new church, when it, uh, when it was founded in Acts 2, uh, when the Holy Spirit came, uh, the people there fell into the street looking like they were drunk and they had the supernatural ability to speak in languages that they had never known so that other people could hear the message of Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit wants the message of Jesus to get out and all these power gifts are to demonstrate and give people a glimpse of the majesty 
of God. In First Peter, chapter four, verse ten, we read this: "As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace." Each of you have received a gift. Don't keep it to yourself, but use it for the common good. Use it to serve other people. That's the reason that we have these gifts. They're not given to make us look good. They're given so that we can give them away to somebody else and then go back and get another one from God so that we can give it away. You know, towards the end of that chapter uh, 12, and also right at the start of chapter 14, you'll find that Paul tells uh, the people of Corinth to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Spiritually, spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire them. So it's important that we do that, that we pursue and let God work through us. But what I also notice, along with eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, from chapter 12, it goes into chapter 13, which is the most amazing chapter on love you can ever read in your life. So sandwiched in the middle of all this stuff about spiritual gifts and how we operate them is this beautiful chapter in love. You know, sometimes people say to me, Billy, there's not enough spiritual gifts in the church nowadays. Hey, and that's probably true. And each of us need to go away, not just pastors, but each of us need to go away and think again about asking God to give us something this day as we go into this world that we can meet somebody in need that needs God to show up in their life at this moment in time so we can give them God's grace into their life. And I believe if we start to do that, we will see more spiritual gifts. But sometimes I think also the biggest problem in our church, in churches, is not the lack of spiritual gifts but it's actually the absence of love. Because greater than all the gifts, greater than tongues, tongues will disappear, it says in uh, chapter 13. The greatest thing that you could pursue is love. So yes, we're in the middle of a series called the Holy Spirit. And of course, we want to pursue spiritual gifts so that we can, from the right motive, so that we can put God's grace into somebody else's life. And how do you do that best? By pursuing love. After all, it was Jesus that said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Pursue gifts for God's grace and go after love with everything that we've got.